0: Welcome to the Nurture Small Business Podcast. I'm your host, Denise Kagan, president of the DCA Virtual Business Support. At DCA, we believe in small businesses and the families they support. Learn more at dcavirtual.com. Thank you for joining me for today's podcast. You might notice it's a slightly different format today. Today, you'll just be chatting with me. I wanted to share with you the best of the best from season two, which is just wrapping up. And I also wanted to send out a great big thank you to you, my listeners, for being here and supporting me through both season one and season two. I hope you've enjoyed the content that we've brought to you through Nurture Small Business. And I'd love to get your suggestions for guests or topics for season three. You can reach out to me at Denise at denise.dcavirtual.com with any thoughts you have for guests or topics. Now, season two also happens to correspond to year two of the coronavirus pandemic. Pivot became a buzzword. And personally, I feel like it was overused. As business owners, I feel like we're always assessing where we are and adjusting to it. It's part of the normal business operations cycle to measure and adjust. With the pandemic, the assess and adjust just happens so quickly and with a vengeance, that that word pivot was out there. Businesses have had to reimagine how to do business under a different set of criteria and in a different environment through a major health crisis. That isn't just moving things from in-person to remote or virtual platforms. It also includes inquiring, acquiring goods and delivering those in a safe and timely manner. We've seen the crisis occur firsthand in restaurants. Now, it's no surprise that sales conversion topped the list of topics that were popular, given what was going on in the world. As a small business owner, we are always tasked with growing and maintaining business sales. I covered the gamut of topics. I had an interesting discussion with Chad No about creating a prospecting program. I learned that the average prospecting closing rate across industries is 20 to 25%. I can tell you that my cold call skills do not match that. We also chatted about how you can create more unique conversations in which you can share your story in the how-tos of prospecting. Chad touched on targeting, message, and timing, some things that many business owners, even those tasked with business development, may not take into consideration. Our most popular sales conversation this season came from Australia with Ari Gulper. Ari is a huge proponent of creating trust in the sales process. His podcast starts off by telling us a story about a sales call that felt like a win to him. However, due to a small mistake of hitting mute instead of hanging up, he got to hear what the client was really thinking, but not saying to him. Listen to a small snippet of Ari's podcast that talks about the lack of trust in the sales
1: process. And then a big epiphany hit me, and that was this, that somewhere along the way, it has become socially acceptable not to tell the truth to people who sell, right?
2: I it's okay to. Right. Yeah. It's
1: okay to say things like "sounds good," send me information. Oh, we're definitely interested. No, wait, send me a proposal.
0: You know, About, I owned well, another. I, I owned another company, and that was actually I would have my admins intercept and say, "Have them email me something," because I didn't want to talk to the salespeople.
1: Yep, exactly. And I realize why this is going on. I realize there's an invisible river that flows underneath a sales process with someone and and people feel pressure in it. And if you don't take the pressure out of the process, you'll always have the, the buyers putting their wall up, their guard up, not feeling comfortable telling you the truth.
0: You'll have to listen to the rest of Ari's podcast to gather those nuggets he shares on how to create trust in your sales conversations look for Stop Losing Sales at Hello. Busting sales funnel myths is what Nikki Nash does best. If you don't have a clue where your prospects are on the empathy map, your funnel doesn't matter. And if that all sounds like gobbledygook, you might want to listen to her podcast called Your Sales Funnel is Broken. Nikki contends that marketing is a lot like dating.
2: This all started because I would teach marketing classes, um, part-time. It was my side hustle before I knew side hustling was a thing. <laughs> and, um, and I would teach marketing and a lot of people today call it marketing funnels. I have a challenge with that because most people think marketing funnels means a sequence of emails, which it's really just, how do you take someone from stranger to customer and what's that customer journey look like? And how can you do that strategically? And as I was teaching this, people would say, okay, like I need an analogy or can you give me an example? And I found myself going, you know what? It's just like, it's just like my date in life. (laughs) And and I realized that there were about like five or so key elements uh, or areas of going from, hey, I just saw this stranger to, oh, we're giving this a go and seeing if being together is a good idea. And those same stages are exactly what people would go to or go through when they're trying to... Acquire a dream customer or client for their business.
0: Who knew that marketing and dating were so similar? I have to say, I chuckle every time I think about that. Now, as we're approaching the new year, I think it's also prudent to mention taxes. Did I just hear you groan? I know some of you are groaning right now, but it's okay. It's something we all have to do. Earlier this year, Carolina Aponte joined us for a conversation about tax planning and the PPP stimulus. It might be time to dust that one off, as I know some business owners are still working through the PPP and EIDL loans. Now, if tax planning is on your mind, Charles Reed joined me to talk about getting your small business tax penalties abated. Penalties and fees are no fun, so having someone who is not only a CPA but also a member of the Internal Revenue Service Advisory Council provides valuable insight to small business owners. In season two, I had a couple of conversations with guests that covered key performance indicators or KPIs plus metrics. My favorite by far of these was an interview with Courtney Durande for the podcast titled Leading and Lagging Metrics, How to Make Sense of the Data. She discussed how digging into your metrics and KPIs can really shift a business by being forward-thinking and proactive with your financial information. And she did it in such a way that you didn't feel like you just got dropped kicked into a pool filled with numbers floating around.
1: One example um, cash flow. So, cash flow problems are common. It's one of the leading causes of small business failure. But, cash flow problems are a symptom. There's some underlying issue in your business that's causing a cash flow problem. So, what you would want to do is look into what are the underlying issues here. So, one example might be that your cash flow is tight because you're not getting your invoices out soon enough. You're incurring all the cost to deliver the service or to deliver the goods, but you're not being mindful of how long it takes you to invoice your customers or how long it takes them to pay you. So a lot of times businesses will monitor the number of days in receivables that they have, but that's a lagging indicator. If you want to improve the timeliness of getting invoices out, you need to start looking at, well, how many days does it take us to get an invoice out to a customer? Does our process include invoicing them immediately? Is it five days later, 10 days later? Is it something that somebody has too much on their plate and they let it slide? If you figure out how many days does it take now and set a goal for lowering that and start measuring and monitoring how many days does it take? then you will start to see that lagging indicator go down. Same with collections. If the problem is on people are paying you too slowly, you need to figure out why is that? A lot of times there's errors in invoices. So businesses will send out an invoice. Clients are slow to pay because there's mistakes on it. So you need to focus on the underlying activity, accuracy of invoices, measure and monitor what percentage of our invoices don't get paid because there's an error. And start putting a measure around the the quality or the the correctness of your invoices. That's a couple examples where the big picture problem is our cash flow is tight. We got to dig down into the underlying activities that drive those problems. Instead of just putting out the fire, you've got to actually figure out what's causing the fire and measure and monitor that.
0: Last year, I started working with an advisor. One of the things she had driven home is recording metrics so I knew what Courtney was saying in her podcast was right on target. In fact, my team has become so good at measuring that we've been able to adjust pricing based on what we're seeing from our metrics. We've even used metrics to measure employee retention. Now that leads me to a podcast titled Building Strong Teams in Your Business, which is also a part of retention. My guest, Malcolm Dawes, believes that leadership comes from humility rather than personal strength or power. In fact, he has written a book about the myths of management and the accidental mistakes in the course of managing. Listen to one of these faux pas now.
2: I think one of the examples I would give would be, I guess the classic one is when a manager says to his or her team, hey guys, let's all get together and have a team building event. Let's go tenpin bowling or let's go laser shoot. Uh, or paintballing, those sort of things, I guess you have in the US, the same as we have in Australia, the same as we have in other parts of the world. So everybody goes, Yeah, let's do that. So they all go to the Temp in bowling. So they go to the bowling alley. And um, the idea is to unite the team, is to get a team to work together. And the first thing that the manager says is, that, Okay, you three work together, your team A, and you three work together, your team B. And before you know where you are, this team, which is supposed to be united, is now pitted against each other.
0: I have a feeling that there are many business owners who have done just that without realizing it. I also believe that retention of employees as well as clients are strongly tied to happiness. Dr. Roger Hall joined Nurture Small Business in May to talk about how a healthy brain leads to happy, successful people. Dr. Roger talks about the habits of happiness and success, which are few and universal, First is the habits of unhappiness and failure, which are pantheon. Let me repeat that. The habits of success and happiness are few and universal, while the habits of unhappiness and failure are pantheon.
3: I believe that if you're having trouble at work, you're going to have trouble at home. And if you're having trouble at home, you're going to have trouble at work. We're integrated human beings. And so Mm -hmm. people who tell me, well, that's, that's not how I act at home. Well, there's going to be spillover. And so what I've seen is that these happy, successful people are happy and successful both at home and at work. And um, that they apply these same principles everywhere. So when people tell me that they have like a different leadership philosophy at their workplace, than they do a different parenting philosophy. Then I tell them you're not integrated and it's bleeding over from one to the other. And so the happy, successful people I've met Pretty much are the same person everywhere they are.
0: And staying on that same happiness train, Trish Samen from Go Beyond SEO joined me on this invigorating episode, Work With Clients You Love. It is from season one, but it's definitely worth mentioning in this compilation.
3: For you, what makes the perfect client? So in addition to the, the logistics, like you said, you know they pay on time. They recognize the value of what you do. Two key factors that I look for is, can I actually really help them? And that one was a really big linchpin for me. Like, is this somebody for whom I can do my best work? Because maybe you can tie it to ego, but I think everybody really likes to do their best work. So, discerning fit was a really, really important component of making sure that I want to work with this person and that they're going to be a client that I love to work with because they get happy when I do great work. If I get them lots of leads, they're like, Trish, you're the greatest. And it it, it is a bit of an ego thing. I really love that. The other side of it is um, it's really more of a vibe and a connection. Like, can I, and again, I don't mean, necessarily that I'm breaking bread with every single client that I have. A lot of them that happens, but that's not always the case. But is there a mutual respect? Is there the opportunity to have conversations when something goes sideways, when something's a little strange, or you have to have the hard conversation with them that part of their process or part of their sales, because of course I'm in marketing, but part of their sales process is broken. And having them trust you as an advisor and say, You don't have to do what I say, but this is something you're going to want to look at and have that feedback respected, even if it isn't necessarily applied. So those are some of the factors. Again, like you said, the logistics, paying on time, respecting uh, deadlines, you know, just those basic working relationship logistics matter and they matter a lot. I had a lot of fun doing that episode with Trish. She's so easy to talk to
0: and such a great source of positivity. Rounding out the best of our best. I would be remiss if I didn't mention all the great technology conversations I've had this year. I could go on for a while about the technology podcast. They were phenomenal. From conversations about cybersecurity to the latest networking and social platforms, I discussed, debated, and dissed with my guests. Now, one that stands out talks about SaaS to manage human capital. I know that sounds a bit counterintuitive, but Jordan Bogart dived into Eddie HR's technology. It's enterprise HR software designed for ease and use at a price tag that businesses, mine and your size, can't afford to purchase.
4: The concept has been around for a while. Um, it's called like an applicant tracking system. Um, we do refer to it as like a CRM database for all of your, your potential candidates and employees. And so that would be 100% accurate. Yeah, I mean, we've done some cool things to like gamify it and do it different than anyone else. I as you've seen, we've got like emojis and hashtags and star rankings. And so we've kind of streamlined that. We've, we've added some like a, almost like a Trello board to make it really fun to drag and drop each candidate from, you know, um, stage to stage. And so, again, the process, I would say, I wouldn't say it's antiquated, but it was kind of what the bigger companies got, right? The enterprise level, okay, they got applicant tracking systems and workflows and ways to manage that. But the small businesses didn't. And so we put our own spin and our own touch on it to just make it kind of more fun and super easy to use. Um, We stole our CTO from Ancestry.com. And so we have an amazing uh, engineering team. We stole a lot of our senior engineers from Ancestry.com. And so the reason I mentioned that, not just because Ancestry is a a big, cool company, but it's more consumer-based, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you think of like payroll or an HR software, it's usually business-based. And uh, it's kind of clunky. And so if you were to look at like the admin portion compared to looking at the user face information, they're usually significantly different. And so you you're, you notice that you're using Eddie, it's, it's nothing like that. You're getting the same experience whether you're an admin or an employee. And so we' just we love that because it just makes it all unified and easy and uh, just it streamlines the process in lots of ways on the back end.
0: If you get a chance to listen to the whole episode titled, What is Eddie?, you'll discover what a big fan I am of the HR platform. And again, feel free to reach out to me if you want to ask me any questions about it. A few of the other great tech podcasts to add to your list, Alex Sanfilippo's Podmatch, Connecting the Perfect Guest to Your Podcast, and Brianna Gunn's Grow Your Business on Lunch Club and Clubhouse, Highlighting Your Expertise. Alex has a servant's heart and is always looking for the next way to help people. Brianna shares the Work From Home Balancing Act along with her expertise on the two new networking platforms. Season two was quite amazing. I learned a lot from my equally amazing guests, and I look forward to another year of topics that our listeners can sink their teeth into. Again, feel free to reach out to me with suggestions, and if you want to just chat about your podcast, you can schedule a call with me on my calendar. The link will be put into the show notes for you. Thank you for being here for all of season two, and I look forward to catching up with you in season three. Thank you for joining me for today's Nurture Small Business podcast, where the focus is on business growth, technology, and people strategies to help your business thrive. At DCA Virtual Business Support, our focus is making your business operations run smooth, so, you can focus on growth. Reach out to me at denise at dcavirtual.com if you'd like to learn more.